0: Tim You're listening Stop to me Come at me show Oh man, come at me show back uh, again. Thanksgiving edition, man. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I want to do something a little special for the show today to celebrate the holiday, whether you're with your loved ones or distanced in quarantine. We can all agree. What's better on Thanksgiving than the best Christmas movie of all time? Uh, (laughs) Die hard. We're talking die hard today. Uh, And I brought on. Uh, m- one of my favorite people and a diehard, uh, a real diehard, diehard. My buddy Matt Strickland. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Hello.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, I will yes. say this is my absolute number one, without a doubt, favorite movie of all time. Uh, it's probably the movie I've seen more than any other movie in my life. Mary, uh, was asking me earlier how many times I realistically think I've seen this movie, and I do think it's between 50 and 75 times in my life.
0: (laughs) That's that is more than me. But I do also love this movie. Uh, Matt is just now starting. uh, Just just debuted his debuted debuted. Yeah. Debuted his new podcast uh, pod Cusack where he reviews uh, John Cusack movies. Yours truly Uh, We'll be on the episode dropping tomorrow, Matt, Con Air. Mm -hmm. We're talking Con Air. Uh, Very exciting. Very fun pod. Lots of fun people on it. You should definitely check it out. And uh, so I thought in celebration of your podcast, you'd come on mine and we'd review uh, Die Hard, the best Christmas movie of all time, the best action movie of all time. What do you think? I think think safe to say
1: 100% the best action movie of all time. And I think, yeah, wherever you stand on like, I don't know. It being a Christmas movie or not, I think it's probably the best Christmas movie.
0: I forgot how much like Christmas is in this. Oh, it's know? very like present. I've always countered with like Lethal Weapon is also an incredible Christmas movie, but it like happens to be Christmas in Lethal Weapon, where it seems like throughout Die Hard, they're like singing jingles and mm-hmm. like Christmas music is playing. And it just seems like Christmas is incredibly present in this movie in a way that I didn't quite remember up on, uh, rewatching it.
1: Yeah. And that's what I would say to all those people out there who think it is not a Christmas movie, uh, it is like, it permeates every scene of the movie. You know, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. You know, there's like Santa costumes. Constance. It's, 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 yeah, it's pretty consistent through line throughout.
0: He sees oh. the tape and like Christmas music's taping, uh, playing, yeah. and it's like Christmas tape when he's taping the gun to his back. We're going to get into it. I figured we'd, uh, I have a combination of like Wikipedia and this like Die Hard thing. I'm going to try and run through like a little bit of a plot synopsis. We'll be interrupting constantly. And then I got some, you know, some quick bullets, some quick questions at the end. We'll go through those if we don't address them plot wise. Matt, are you set? I am ready. So pumped. On Christmas Eve, 1988, (laughs) I wonder how much of this I should just straight read. John McClane arrives in L.A. uh, from New York to visit his estranged wife, Holly. The beginning of the movie is like the the passenger telling him like, oh, yeah, if you if you have a hard time with air travel, here's the secret. Take off your shoes, make fists with your toes and walk around on the carpet.
1: That was my first note is just fist with your toes. And it's like such a, I feel like everyone who's ever seen this movie has done, has done fist with their toes. It's like a, it's a, it's iconic, iconic, weird, weird movie line. And um, I will say that's such a, it's such an ingenious way to set up him, not wearing shoes, the whole movie, like yeah. the whole, he's running around the, you know, the building and eventually you know he used to walk over glass and it's just it's the whole the the couple different ways they remove his shoes and then keep him not wearing shoes like the terrorist yeah. feet are too small it's just it's such a perfect little like uh justification for why he would be barefoot and like one more thing is stacked against him he has no
0: shoes my like big takeaway on rewatch is that this is like, a brutal movie like everything in it is tense and hard it is a struggle for bruce willis like constantly nothing I mean, goes right it's just like and the shoes is another example of like he's barefoot the whole time this is crazy movie i
1: love it it is like this is that I think we talked we talked a little bit about it on Pod Cusack, which you guys should check out. But mm-hmm. we we talked about Die Hard being sort of the torch passing movie from like the action heroes of the '80s, the Schwarzeneggers and the the Sylvester Stallones, like the superhuman men, like Olympians, to someone like John McClane, who's just like a regular fucking schmo from New Jersey, and he's just like like you said, it's just brutal. He's not just a hulking mass of of man that's gonna beat up 30 guys in you know in the same fight he's he's constantly getting bruised and beaten and yeah. by the end of the movie he's limping and he's just he's a real guy that's part of what makes diehard so great and part of what <laughs> made it such a game changer when it came out in the 80s is like holy shit this is a real guy who's like you can feel the pain that he is suffering throughout the whole thing
0: I got to say, I, uh, pushing back on the real guy idea, I mean, he's well, a real guy for an action movie not, yeah. star. Like in comparison to Arnold Schwarzenegger and yeah. Sylvester Stallone, he's like a very real guy. And before this movie was like an unknown, pretty much. Yeah, right? like he
1: had just done... Him had, and out... He, he was a TV actor. He was in, you know, Moonlighting. And he in Moonlighting, he's sort of like a sarcastic... He's not like an... It'd be like Chandler Bing becoming an action movie. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like he wasn't like a... He wasn't Joey just coming. Yeah. So so he's, he's just this TV actor who I don't think this, I think this movie had been offered to a lot of different people. And Bruce Willis was way far down on their choices.
0: I think everybody Uh, turned it down. Uh, Where was it? Oh, Sylvester Stallone turned it down. I think Arnold turned it down. Like all the big names didn't want to be a part of it. So they went with Bruce Willis and it, and it put him and uh, Rickman on the map.
1: Oh, and it's like after thank that. God it's cast the way it is. It's one of those perfect movies where everyone is cast perfectly. Like Rickman, Hans Gruber is like a God-tier bad guy. I think it's like, you think of the greatest cinema villains of all time in my head, I'm just like, okay, you got Darth Vader, you got Hannibal Lecter, you got Hans Gruber. Like he's in that, like the Jaws <laughs> shark, you know, that's like, those are the, the Mount Rushmore of cinema villains for me. I think Hans Gruber is is just great. He's so funny and like
0: smarmy and, uh, he's, he's He's very funny. Wait, so wait, what is it about him that makes him such a great villain then?
1: I think part of it is he's,
0: he's like European. So already he's like hateable. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I did. I do think if we're talking about what's aged well in this movie, it's like the fact that all these bad guys are a bunch of like white European guys, still very safe by today's standards. Yeah, totally. Feel very comfortable going after this guy.
1: I like that he's smart. You know, he's always, he's yeah. one step ahead of the FBI and the police. It's, it's this, the whole thing would have gone off without a hitch his whole plan. If it weren't for officer John McClane, um, all his line deliveries are so good and just his dialogue. He's so funny. He has so many, you, this movie is an action movie, but it's way funnier than it has any right to be as an action movie. And that's part of what makes it so great. There's
0: like pretty consistent jokes throughout, which I really love. Yeah. There are some really great jokes in it. Uh, and some awesome lines. Uh so back to the back to him the on the plane barefoot. I I was looking when I first heard this, I was like how does this help with if you're on a plane and you're afraid the plane's going to go down. I don't understand how this helps you at all. It's like it's it's great advice as far as setting up the plot, but like if the plane's going down, like, what are you going to do? Take off your shoes and like start walking in the aisles. It's like, it's a crazy, it's a crazy I comment. Think the idea is like,
1: it's supposed to help with jet lag or something. Like once you get home from the airport, then yeah. you take off your shoes and make fists with your toes. And he's like, it's better than a shower and a hot cup of coffee. Uh, <laughs> and it's supposed yeah. to be some sort of calming Zen thing to help you get over
0: whatever. I was Googling like, does that actually help you with like jet lag? And I, and I, yeah, I think you're right. It's like, I think just being barefoot and walking around in a space instantly makes you more comfortable in that space was like like the psychological (laughs) for it, but it's so crazy. And you're right. And it sets up him being like barefoot the whole time, which is wild. Uh, He also has like this gigantic teddy bear. Oh yeah. (laughs) Is such a great, like, action movie dad trope of just, you know, I'm using a checked bag spot on this gigantic <laughs> teddy bear that I need to get to my daughter, you know, like I need to get her this bunny reference to Con Air. It's uh, such a perfect like deadbeat dad thing. It's just yeah. like, oh, I'm going to
1: get you the biggest stuffed animal and that'll like make up for me being like an absentee
0: father. <laughs> the bear's size is proportional to how distant <laughs> I've been yeah. in your life. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, so he walks off the plane with the bear bruce willis checking out a lot of chicks i getting know. off this plane he is oogling well, everybody it's sort of a weird through line in a
1: lot of the diehard movies is there's always a scene where some gorgeous like flight attendant or in the second one it's just some like really gorgeous woman who works at like the fax desk in Dulles airport. Cause the second one takes place at Dulles airport. And there's always just some like smoking hot chick who wants to fuck Bruce Willis. Like the stewardess on the plane is just like eyeballing him the whole time as yeah. he's like holding this teddy bear. <laughs> it's just such a funny, like weird little detail. That's like, Oh, not only is he the great, you know, badass cop. He also is like the ladies want to bone down with John McClane.
0: <laughs> I feel like some movies need that. And I'm, and I don't know. I I think, if like John, if if Bruce Willis needs the affirmation, you know, where you're like watching a TV show or a movie and you're like, I don't know, is this person hot? And then someone else in the movie is like, wow, they're so hot. And You're like, OK, I guess they are. Yeah, at least at least in this world, Bruce Willis is like the most fuckable guy ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> even though I heard I heard uh, what was it on some some show I was watching. They were talking about like how you as a guy tell if another guy's hot and it's the the test was like would you just trade bodies with that person? Mm. Like, would you be like happier in their body? Uh, and Bruce Willis yoked. Uh, but I don't know that. I don't know. Is, is does he have a handsome face? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm upgrading face wise.
1: Mary is Bruce Willis yeah. hot. Yeah.
0: Mary says yes. Bruce okay. Willis well that's hot. all then, then, you know, we don't need to explore. It. <laughs> 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 He's definitely hot, but he is like, one of the their his relationship with his wife, I find fascinating and probably a little flimsy. He is eyeballing all of these girls. And of course, you know, well, maybe guys, that's what guys, it's, it's look, just, girls, look, whatever. But it just, he's acting like a, he's got throwing off mad single vibes. He is a single divorced dad getting off this plane is the feeling I'm getting.
1: Well, I feel like that's supposed to just undercut, you know, the troubles that he's having at home with uh, Holly Gennaro, Holly, Holly McLean. It's supposed to just undercut that there is this is not a man in a happy marriage. There is a lot of tension here. And I do. I think that that the fact that. The marriage is on the rocks is such a nice wrinkle to throw into a movie, because like Con Air, it's just like he's the wife is barely a character and she's just the wife that you're cu- trying to get back to. And in so many of these movies, it's the, the doting wife who's at home or like the shrewish wife who's at home or whatever. But I do feel like this, this relationship that Holly and John McClane have is a lick one. It's not like the most complex relationship in the history of film by, or anything. Right. It's one step up from what you normally see in action movies. And I think that's just another thing that's great about this movie is everything is slightly better than it needed to be for like an action movie. And that's what elevates this to like God tier status.
0: It's just like another layer of conflict. Not, not only is he fighting these bad guys, he is yeah. like struggling to like fix his broken household. <laughs> it is like, wow, and I mean, it does make not to keep talking about Con Air, but it makes uh, his character a little more complex than like a Cameron Poe, who is basically a passenger along with the ride of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and it feels like Bruce Willis could almost be a passenger in this movie a bit. Uh, but he's not because he's just involved in everything the whole time. In yeah, a way that, they like, give him, they give him a lot to do. You know, he's got
1: like we keep bringing up Conair, but we just talked about it on my podcast. <laughs> but Conair is, you know, you guys should all listen. Like you said, Nick Cage is. It's he's barely a character. He's sort of just on the the ride with the audience as we like see all the more interesting characters like the Malkovich. And in a way, like Hans Gruber is probably the most fun, interesting character in this movie, and bad guys usually are. But yeah. Bruce Willis also has his own thing. He's just this tough East Coast Jersey cop who's stuck, you know, he's NYPD and he's stuck in this crazy California Japanese, you know, office building. He's just out of his element in every single way. And I think. I don't know. That adds a little something to the John McClane character, especially his, you know, come out to the coast. We'll get together, having people look at us. He's just got
0: like a little Jersey something going on. He does seem wildly flushed out for having like spent I don't know so little time like exploring his his thing, you know. But you just spend so much time with him, and then like all these little things come out, and you're just like, okay, I get this guy. He's yeah, awesome. I, I've seen this guy at like a barbecue. <laughs> Great detail is he sits in the uh, passenger seat of the limo. Oh, yeah. Which tells you a lot about this guy already. I am not for this. I am not about riding in the back of the limo. Uh, I ride in the front with the guys. He's a blue collar. He's a blue collar guy. You know, he's just a cop. So... The limo picks him up. He sits in the front. This Argyle guy, very love fun, guy. very good. I love him, too. I'm realizing as I'm watching this movie, like, does Argyle need to be in this movie? <laughs> no, but that's the thing. I wrote down Argyle.
1: This character doesn't need to exist, but is great. That's like that was my Argyle note. It's just that's a that's one of the million things in this movie that's just better than it like needed to be <laughs> that's true.
0: He could have just picked up a cab, but instead they decided to introduce this character who at the beginning of the movie picks him up and at the end of the movie drops him all, like picks him yeah. up again. You and he's like I'm a saying?
1: fun little Greek chorus who they cut to periodically throughout. And he's like listening yeah. on the CB and laughing along, you know, with the audience. And he's just like a little audience touchstone within
0: the movie, which I yeah. like. Just to be like, oh shit, John, like yeah. every <laughs> once in a while. Uh He's incredible. He takes John McClane to uh, Nakatomi Plaza, where they're having this uh, Christmas Eve party. This dude. Bullshit. What's, bullshit.
1: Bullshit to make your employees not only work Christmas Eve, but then they have to stay late at an office party on Christmas Eve. That's insane. I mean, I guess maybe they don't have Christmas in Japan
0: because it's a Japanese company. I don't know. But uh, I think that's what, like John asks him about that is he's like, what about the Christmas? And He's like, oh, you know, we just closed a big a big deal, yeah. too. It's so, like everybody's here. But you are right. I did not pick up on that because it feels like a common enough movie thing about like, oh, yeah, Christmas Eve, we have a work party. But it's like, what the fuck? I've I would never gone so to a work party this. on Christmas Eve. Every work party I've been to has been like two weeks before Christmas because yeah. they know otherwise nobody's coming.
1: Yeah. And it's always on a Thursday. All my work parties have always been on a Thursday because it was a Friday. Every Yeah. No one's fucking staying late working on a Friday, even to yeah. drink for free. It's like, no, I'm going home and hanging out like, with my actual friends.
0: <laughs> my actual family.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, so That's one strike get- against the Nakatomi Corporation right there.
0: Yeah, that they. Yeah, I, I would say uh, Mr. Donkatomi deserves to die for sure because he's keeping <laughs> people away from his families. He had a death wish the second this movie started, and oh, his employees yeah. were still there after hours. Uh, then we meet we meet this Harry guy and John McClane's wife at the same time because Harry's hidden on her. This guy sucks oh, immediately. Ellis. Oh, Ellis. oh, Ellis. Yeah,
1: well, Ellis a- is this. Is Ellis baby has six of my favorite lines. And I love how his introduction is as they walk in on him, just doing blow off of Holly's desk. He's just, he's just super
0: coked up the whole time. <laughs> That's how he meets McLean. But it's, yeah. but we meet him cause he's like trying to get uh miss McLean to like go home with him on Christmas yeah. Eve. This is like a mother with children and he's like, <laughs> blow that off. Of Let's two. get drunk at my place yeah this guy is
1: one of the all-time great movie scumbags he's so funny and just such slimy. a scumbag and he looks so wet the whole time he looks you know he looks
0: like don jr he looks like donald trump oh yeah just real he's slick just, and slimy the whole. Time. yeah <laughs> that's why he seems like weirdly out of place in like an l.a. Like skyscraper, doesn't he? Or am I am I wrong? He seems like a sleazy, like tiny, like a like a low ceiling New York office. Yeah, he does like, seem a little more New York than yeah. LA. But but he's such a great stocks character. and bonds. Yeah, he's very. Funny. <laughs> Show the watch. It up. It's a Rolex. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah. The setup for the watch, too. I didn't realize the watch is another thing because we find at the end of the movie when Hans Gruber is hanging off this building, he's hanging on to said watch. Mm-hmm. That the was Rolex. a gift. Yeah. The Rolex, which was a gift from the company. To the, yeah. this feels like something that should be a metaphor, but I don't think it is. <laughs> I think they just were like, oh, he's gonna, he needs to hang from something. What if earlier in the movie we mentioned she has a watch? Because otherwise, it would be insane for him to be hanging on to a woman's watch.
1: I feel like it's gotta be some sort of representation of Holly and the disillusion of their marriage because she lives in LA now and is obsessed with her career. And the watch is this, you know, rich fancy Rolex that is somehow represents her career. And then Bruce Willis saves her and she sheds somehow sheds this. this Okay. So of, of, of careerist capitalist bullshit.
0: (laughs) This their relationship makes no sense to me in like they show up. I'm like, if these bosses aren't there, they're going to make out right now because she walks into the office. John McClain's there, Ellis and Mr. Tagaki, Takaki, Takaki. Yeah. Takagi is there. And she just looks, she looks so in love with him and they're just like having this like beautiful moment. And then they immediately start fighting in the bathroom about why she's using a different last name. And it feels like the conflict is that she got this new job. John McClain is like, thinks she's going to fail at this job. And we know this because Argyle explained it to him. Mm-hmm. He's like, John McClain thinks his wife's going to fail in LA and just move back to New York. So he just like, doesn't talk to her for six months. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, go fuck up. And then come crawling back to me. And then like the way this is resolved in the story is that, John McClain just does some badass cop shit like he does for his regular job in New York. And then she's just like, You're right. I was stupid for trying to be like a strong, independent woman coming to LA and like putting my career first. I should be in New York, like rubbing your feet, like <laughs> giving you children. You know? It it just doesn't seem very modern to me at all. Like if the lesson is that she needs to like get out of the corporation and like focus on her family, it seems like a weird lesson, right? It's not. Yeah. It's uh, that if that's the metaphor of the watch, uh, it had, that hasn't aged
1: particularly
0: well. (laughs) If their relationship at all is like, then when she's like excited that he's going off and like doing cowboy shit, I'm like, he must've been doing this at home. If he's like a cop, like he's a New York cop. So you're used to him being a cop. So why is him just being a cop in this situation? Like somehow helping your, your marriage out? Well, she, I don't understand how this life. fixes their
1: relationship. You know, he did save her life on a couple different occasions. Okay. You know, this that, is a that pretty the like example thing. of being a cop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's like the action movie like thing where it's like, okay, as soon as I save your life, everything else goes out the window. We well, are golden.
1: You did want to talk about what you think happens after the movie. I think they're okay. good. Yeah. We can talk like about that now. Weeks. I think they have a really their relationship gets a lot better for like two weeks. And then eventually John McClane just goes back to New York because all their problems come back. This does not solve yes. any of their problems.
0: <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking is this is a Band-Aid on a broken marriage. They, get, they have some intense sex and yeah. then... For like two weeks, and then they start. Then he's like, "Cool, so I guess you're moving back to New York with me." And she's mm-hmm. like, "No, like the company still exists. Yeah. Now I like basically I run more it. Responsibility <laughs> more responsibility now. responsibility. My boss got ever. shot in the face. <laughs> and so what? This guy's gonna be like, "I just, I almost died in this building. I'm not coming <laughs> out here. L.A. almost killed me. I'm going back to New York. You're right. They are back to where they were. Square yeah. one immediately." hundred uh, percent. So then uh, McLean's in the bathroom. These guys come in looking like terrorists. Uh, we get the intro to uh, Rickman walking out of this elevator like a true badass. Very cool. Very cool
1: <laughs> intro. And uh, this is a good part for me to to say one of Mary's thoughts. She watched maybe, you know, half hour, 40 minutes of the movie with me this morning. And her main thought about all the bad guys is... This was bad. She was like, oh, yeah, no, normally in action movies, all the bad guys are wearing the same outfits. They all have like a uniform or something. And she really appreciated that the bad guys are all just like wearing adult leisure clothes in this, like L.L.B. And And she thought that was a very, you know, that's just another small detail that makes this movie great.
0: (laughs) It's great. It's a smooth operation. One dude is like downstairs doing an impression of a security guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who looks uh, which just is-
1: like Huey Lewis, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> and, and that rocks. All that the dude I is love all the so good. Tales that they give uh, the terrorists, like the one guy who really loves candy. You see him like take <laughs> yeah. candy, and Theo, who's just like the, the the computer guy, who he's a really fun character. He's yes. like constantly referencing, you know, the Showtime Lakers or stuff. It's all, they all have little, little details, which make them great. And then you got, of course, Alexander Gudnov, who is Carl, who, you know, I don't know if you know this, but he was, a, he was the, one of the most famous ballet dancers in the world in the, really? late, yeah, in the late seventies and early eighties. And then he, uh, cause he's from the Soviet union and then he defected to the U S and it tore apart his marriage because his wife stayed in the Soviet union and he defected
0: Jeez. to the U S Yeah. And then so that's John why McClain he walks so gracefully. <laughs> yeah, John, John McClane. I hung did him. wonder about that. You think that was his character, like his actor's secret? Like while he's doing these things, is like my guy used to be a ballerina for. Yeah,
1: he really <laughs> that really informed Carl. <laughs>
0: Wait, which one's Carl? Is Carl? Carl is like the oh, main no. big blonde dude who gets checked. Yeah, yeah, that's Alexander. Dang, he's great. He's the he's the ballet dancer. He's so good. The guy downstairs doing the cop thing he had like one I don't know if it like makes best line but when Al is like coming in to like investigate everything and he's like talking about the game and like god yeah. I got 20 bucks on these assholes yeah. I was like damn this dude is incredible this is above and beyond for like the the squad you know yeah. if I'm if I'm forming a terrorist bank heist squad like this guy is the face he's the smooth talker up front
1: yeah you gotta have Huey Lewis to to, to be the <laughs> front of the operation
0: uh, so, okay. And from this point on, I'm checking the thing, but like, I've seen like in the, in the rewatch, I, this might be one of the first times in a lo- this is the first time in a long time that I sat down, like watch this whole thing, like all the way through once McLean like gets in the vents and he's like crawling around it all like the, 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 the specific events get a little out of whack for me. But the next thing is right. This guy goes after him. They send a dude after him with the radio and McLean kills him and gets the radio. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, first, McLean witnesses
1: them killing. Uh, oh, Takagi. Because There's a great little moment that I don't know if this might even be the first time I've noticed it. But right after um, Hans Gruber is trying to get the password from Takagi to open the vault so they can get all the, the cash or whatever. And right after he shoots Takagi in the face, Alexander Gutnoff Carl wordlessly hands Theo a $20 bill. And I loved that, like, like they had a bet over if he was going to give it really? up or if he was going to get killed. Yeah, it's just this really small thing that sort of happens in the background. It's like, he gets shot, and then Alexander Guggenoff, like, pays off this bet or whatever. Uh, That's amazing. That. It's just this tiny background <laughs> detail that I really love. And Die full of that shit. It's so good. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's really funny. It's and so then, good
0: for Oh wait, What were you saying? Oh, and then I was
1: just going to say, and then Theo has the great line where, uh, it's it's in, on my list of like my favorite lines is where, um, Hans Gruber is like, you can break the code. And he's, he responds, you didn't b- bring me along for my charming <laughs> personality. Exactly. <Which> great.
0: <laughs> and, uh, it is awesome that they kill the owner of the company immediately like at the yeah. beginning of the movie it's like the movie is not about this guy <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just get this out of the way this movie is about bruce willis we do yeah. not need this this businessman in the background fucking things up we don't actually care about him uh and at this they're kind of like you know hinting that maybe this isn't a terrorist thing maybe this is uh actually do they say that they're they want the money then yeah I don't he know. says uh i'm
1: I'm not interested in your whatever your operations in Indonesia, but I am interested in the six hundred and forty billion dollars in bear bonds you have hidden in your vault. Fucking bear. Bonds. <laughs> the eighties was a big time for bear bonds.
0: I've never heard of them before or since, but in the eighties it was all about bear bonds. People loved bear bonds. You couldn't just <laughs> give someone uh cash for their birthday. You had to give them some bear bonds mm-hmm. that they could put in a vault. I don't even know. Can you pay stuff in bear bonds? It seems like you could just, it's a piece of paper then how did they like launder this after the fact? Like, I don't know. They must've had a guy cause you got to take them to a bank and like get actual money in exchange for them. Right. Yeah. I would assume, I assume they had like some guy in Eastern Europe. who They, they definitely were- had a guy who might've questioned Hans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hans had it figured out. <laughs> and, then, and then the next scene starts with bruce willis like explaining why he didn't save i was like oh yeah i like these moments because bruce willis is like by himself for yeah. like most of the movie so they have to have these moments where he's like oh You couldn't save him because then you'd be dead.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You'd be dead too, asshole. And he like, you know, he tries to pull the fire alarm and he's trying to get uh, all this attention. And that's when the the blonde, Carl's brother, the blonde guy with glasses and tiny feet comes up and Bruce Willis has to break his neck. (laughs) And this was also when Mary was watching. And there's a great line where Bruce Willis is has a gun to this guy's head. And the guy goes, you won't hurt me. You're a policeman. There are rules to right. policemen. And Mary was just like, he would absolutely just fucking kill this guy. What are you talking about? Cops kill people all the time.
0: <laughs> Not white people, Matt. That's true. That's true. <laughs> he was white. He was a tall, he was
1: an Aryan white dude. If Theo was up there on the floor, yeah. Would
0: have shot him immediately. <laughs> no hesitation. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it does like it is a great moment of showing that like Bruce Willis is the good guy yeah he has because honor. he has to kill they're mm-hmm. setting up that he needs to kill or he won't survive because he doesn't kill this guy when he totally could have and they end up falling down the stairs and he like accidentally kills him mm-hmm. and then Bruce Willis gets the bloodlust and after that he doesn't hold <laughs> anymore. <laughs> He gets the radio, right? He calls for uh, help and he gets the machine gun. Yeah. And he, and he calls, he starts calling for help, uh, on like a frequency that Hans Gruber is listening to, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating. And I love this. Once like Al gets involved and he's talking over the radio and the bad guys hear all of these conversations and they're talking in code. It just makes it, it like goes back to this thing of like, nothing is easy in this movie. Mm -hmm. He has a friend that he's talking to and he's getting help from, but they can't actually talk because like the bad guy (laughs) is listening the whole time and he's giving everything away. Right. It's also like such a a fascinating trope, fascinating trope of how, when the guy calls for help, nobody fucking believes him. Yeah. And they're like, uh, you're on the wrong channel. You can't use this chat. I don't know why if if there's a channel that no one's supposed to be using and somebody calls in there asking for help, I feel like that should be a priority.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why everyone's first instinct is to be like this. This sounds like bullshit. And he's yeah. literally there's gunshots happening in the background, and they're still not believing him.
0: Uh, can Carl we just, Winslow. Yeah, can we just send Carl Winslow over? Is there somebody there while he's like packing up his like <laughs> loading up his sleigh with just <laughs> like candy, <and> Twinkies. Shit. <laughs> Twinkies? I was trying to, and it, like the guy is like, "Oh yeah, you you you." Uh, I forget what he says to him, but I I was trying to decide whether or not Carl Winslow was friends with the guy behind the cash register or not. Like if oh, he'd been in there a bunch. So. You think they think were that, just like, they'd never met before. I think that guy, well, that guy says some
1: nasty shit to him. Doesn't he? He's just like bag it. Oh yeah. Big time. <laughs> like it
0: implies that he's like a fat piece of shit or something. That's why I couldn't tell if they were us. like ribbing each other, like for like his pals or if he was just being a dick to him for no I, reason. I
1: feel like Carl Winslow. Uh, did not really take that
0: lightly or he did take it. No, he didn't like it is what I want to (laughs) say. Yeah. He seemed annoyed by it. And then he gets the call. He goes over to investigate. He pokes around the building. He decides to leave. John McClane sees him leaving and he throws out this guy's body. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. The same dude. Oh, and then we also have him uh, putting that. Wait, wait, sweet. I'm missing something, right? Because he killed the, he throws a body out the window, but then he also puts a body in the elevator with the ho, ho, ho. Okay. So when he, when he kills Carl's brother by
1: accidentally breaking his neck, right. That's the body he puts in the elevator
0: with the Santa hat on. And he writes ho, that, ho, now ho. I have a machine gun. Now I have a machine oh, gun, a machine oh. gun that he ultimately doesn't kill anybody with. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: But then later, later two guys, they stumble upon him or they they find out where he is somehow and that's when he kills one guy right away and then there's uh he's crawling under the table and then the terrorist is yes. a really great line delivery where he's just like where are you going pa?" No more table. Next time you have a chance to kill someone, don't hesitate. It's just like really over overacting. And then Bruce Willis, <laughs> good advice, and he shoots a <laughs> table, and that's the body that he throws out the window at.
0: Gotcha. You're running out of table is an incredible line, and <laughs> maybe bad? one of my favorites.
1: <laughs> so it's, so- del- it's the delivery that just kills me.
0: <sighs> and this guy they uh he's dead bruce wills has killed two guys he throws a body out the window lands in Carl winslow's car now he backs up uh they brought in more uh help and uh the the general guy or whatever the fuck the sergeant yeah, shows Dwight up
1: dwayne t robinson or whatever the guy from dick.
0: he's the he's the
1: principal from the breakfast club the, the <laughs> ass <asshole laughs> and, and he, he brings up. those same vibes yeah and he, yeah he he has full assistant principal vibes in Die Hard as well and he's he's another just great character that's way better than it has any right to be and he's just this like shitty like politic and uh I guess he's the deputy chief of police or something and he's just great
0: I love him too He's the worst, like, most frustrating, like, guy just getting in the way. And it's like, oh, man, this guy's ruining everything until the FBI shows up. Yeah. And then they're somehow even worse suits than he is. <laughs> the FBI is even worse. And then all of a sudden, uh, the first guy is like trying to be friends with Al now and they're like talking to each other. Yeah. And like, and he's like, I don't like this. And Al's like, you were the one fucking everything up <laughs> before
1: him. This is one of those 80s movies that's very like, anyone who wears a suit is probably an asshole. You know, Bruce Willis is good. Uh Carl Winslow is good, but uh, the terrorists, the the Japanese company guys, the FBI, and any anyone who's a fucking suit is a shithead. And I feel like that's a very '80s like POV.
0: <laughs> These FBI guys are monsters when they show up. Oh, they come in the with one of my favorite tropes of just like, well, <laughs> where where they walk up and someone's like, well, this is my crime scene. He's like, not anymore. Yeah. It's not, it's Johnson, Johnson. I'll let you yeah. know when we take all your men. Yeah. Agent <laughs> like, Johnson, you special agent Johnson. <laughs>
1: Uh, that's just another good detail that i like that they're both named asian
0: johnson it's just a great it's just like a fun excuse for comedy and then just later in the movie he's like hey it's johnson no the other one it's like why is this (laughs)
1: this makes no sense it's just like a weird Abbott and Costello routine
0: in the middle of his action. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> up, no, he's on first. Yeah. What's on second? <laughs> I don't know. He's on third. It's, <laughs> so, so, like.
1: it's so good. Uh, and I love that the, the FBI guys are so fucking funny. Like when they're, they're in helicopters like swarming the the
0: top of the building somehow they just appear in the helicopters (laughs) they're like on the ground (laughs) with everybody else and then like five minutes later like we're bringing in the helicopters and then these guys somehow like these we don't see the helicopters landing they're flying in like they flew in from a nearby military base and these guy guys are just magically in the helicopters riding shotgun and one of them's just screaming just like fucking Saigon
1: love
0: the other one's like i was like in i was in psychopathic high school
1: like vietnam band.
0: that dude too the guy who's yelling that is like carrying a military sniper okay so you think he was actually in vietnam oh yeah i think he was like the best time of my life was in, in when oh. i was killing civilians in vietnam Okay, i think that checks out that completely then. fascist freak because the other guys like I was in school I was in like junior high so I couldn't have been there so I kind of assumed the other dude was like I read it as like oh he's a poser he like thinks it's like Psy God So he's just like a posturing asshole. Because my other note was like, this guy has a sniper rifle and he's like a fucking FBI agent. And he's like, turn the plane around. Let me take the shot. It's just like, I guess that happens. There's like former military guys in the FBI all the time. But the idea that like this guy who was supposed to be coordinating this FBI attack is also the guy who takes the shot is like a little extreme. (laughs) I just feel like he's trying to
1: relive his glory days, you know, of of killing. Killing people in, in, that off. makes sense. Then that tracks and, for sure. And then when the, the, they set off the C4 on the top, I mean, we're jumping all over the plot of this movie, we're but they set, all off, over. Who cares? they set off the C4 and they blow up, uh, they, the, the, the helicopter explodes and the FBI guys die. And then the deputy chief of police has this, re, has the really great, really <laughs> flat delivery of just like, uh, I guess we're going to need some more FBI guys, I guess.
0: (laughs) That might be my favorite line in the movie. (laughs) I guess we're going to need some more FBI guys. (laughs) It's It's so good. uh, Okay. I did. We did brush over the elevator. Ho, ho, ho thing. Super cool. I feel like that is like super high, super iconic. Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. Yeah. That's been done. I feel like. A billion times six. I haven't seen a lot of people wearing
1: a shirt that says that, but I feel like that's a great t-shirt idea. And I don't know why everyone's
0: not wearing that. (laughs) You should 100% make that shirt and just, and like print (laughs) it, but make it look like someone just drew it with like a marker. Yeah. Oh, it's so good, man. We just made a million dollars right now. Yeah. Go to the come at me show merch
1: store and you can buy By the time this episode comes (laughs) out, you can buy this shirt. (laughs)
0: Right. He said it on my podcast, so it's my intellectual property. Uh, We'll split (laughs) the proceeds between Come At Me Show and (laughs) (laughs) Pod Cusack merch stores. (laughs) Such a good idea. And then he is like in the vent writing names on his arm, which is Mm -hmm. also like one of the most badass things I've ever seen. He's like
1: like (laughs) taking a a, a tally of how many terrorists there are. He's writing down like the names he hears. Just so we can name drop everything
0: yeah. <laughs> like as this is going. So freak them out on the CB radio later. Oh, uh, so fun. Then, uh, at some point the police are just like, fuck it. We're coming in. The terrorists <laughs> kill a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. The lot of cops die. And I guess just to end the fighting somehow, Bruce Willis, who, who got a bunch of C4 from like the last two guys he killed has like a block. He's like a, like a brick of C4 which he's like putting like like detonators in, which are like the little like spike things. Mm. And he puts like in two and then he's like, fuck it, and just puts more <laughs> in as if like the number of detonators is somehow gonna make the explosion bigger. I don't know. That doesn't seem to track for me in my little bit of non on hand knowledge of C4. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I would assume something before. only detonates
0: one time. It can't like right. detonate more. Yeah. And he and he has a brick of C4 and he pushes it down an elevator shaft. There's so many elevator shafts in this movie, by the way. I don't he the stairs are not an option. Bruce has to climb through the elevator shaft constantly. And he doesn't have the machine gun anymore. Why doesn't he have the machine gun anymore? Oh, because he needed it to like like repel down. He had to right. use the machine gun to like hold the rope in place, which is like. Again, it's like nothing in this is easy. He can't just like tie the rope to something and slide down. He has to use his gun. So he's he's giving up the machine gun. The machine gun is not as important as getting down another floor. And it's like barely, the machine gun is like just like an inch bigger than the wind than like the door that he's going through. So the whole time it's like moving and shaking and it looks like it could fall through at any moment. It is a tense situation. And then he like slings into something. So he lost the machine gun. And then just to to stop this firefight, he he tapes C4 to a chair, throws it down the elevator shaft, causes an explosion that literally destroys the bottom half of the building. (laughs) With one thing of C4. I would argue a very similar explosion to the explosion we see on the roof uh, much later that had like a hundred times the amount of C four. <laughs> yeah, seemed like very similar explosions to me.
1: <laughs> you know, but I don't, I don't incredible. know anything about C four. I don't know how it works.
0: It all, it all yeah. seemed realistic to me. <laughs> I'm just, why did he blow up? Why did he cause that explosion in the first place? He just wanted to like break everything up. I think he wanted to distract the bad guys to let,
1: give the cops time to escape or something, something along those lines. It's basically just for us, the audience to like (laughs) see a big explosion. And then for, for, uh, for Carl Winslow to have uh, the great line where he, where Bruce Willis is like, is the building on fire? And he responds, no, but it's gonna need a paint job and a shitload of screen doors. <laughs> this is just another
0: line that I fucking love. It just needs a bunch of screen. But well, didn't have screen doors before, but now it does. Yeah, the whole second floor of this building is just screen, a screened-in porch. So, I'm sure we're glossing over some stuff. But the next plot point that I think is crucial and must be discussed is the face-to-face between Mm -hmm. Bruce Willis and Hans Gruber. Mm -hmm. It seems a little crazy that Hans is like going up to the roof to check on the C4 uh, when he knows Bruce Willis is out there and he's not going with anybody. He's just going solo. Uh, It's a little bit of a stretch that this is happening, but it gives us the much needed face-to-face showdown between our titular good guy and villain. Mm -hmm. And it's
1: a great scene. You get to see uh, Alan Rickman, do an American accent real quick. Uh, and they have, you know, some, there's some understanding there between the two of them. They're, they're looking in each other's eyes. Cause because cause Rickman's pretending to be a hostage, yeah. but he, and he doesn't know that Bruce Willis has already seen him through in the ducks. You know, he was staring through the elevator.
0: So, but Bruce has Willis he seen so. Rickman's face? Does he know it's him? I mean, it I'm, seems like I he's kind of tricked. It seems like I they're think, both a little confused. I think that maybe they both are confused, but I think
1: he's seen him because he gives him the gun, but the gun's not loaded, right? So Mm -hmm. he does know at some point, and he's just like, well, you think I'm fucking stupid, Hans? So Bruce Willis does know, and he is pulling the wool over his eyes a little bit.
0: Yeah. It's awesome. I think it's needed because otherwise it's like, oh, these guys have no real interaction. Mm -hmm. This is like they have no history other than this thing. Yeah. Then it's just the sleepless
1: in Seattle of action movies where our heroes don't actually don't know. Don't come together.
0: (laughs) They make a brief, they make a brief uh, merging at the end and then it's just over. But then Al Rickman sees that he like doesn't have shoes on. And that's when they talk about shooting at the glass Mm -hmm. and it just adds this level of like, now it, now it's personal. Mm -hmm. Now the stakes are higher. Now this really matters. Uh, yeah. now I'm a, now I'm a little confused on stuff he gets like the bad guys show up they shoot out uh uh Rickman gets away and then uh all these people are on the roof and he's trying to get him off the roof right and then the roof explodes uh there's a there's-, yeah. there's a lot of firefights and there's a lot of explosions
1: I mean we got to mention uh the TV news guy because that's how Rickman oh, finds out this is happening this whole time, the whole time Bonnie bedelia is she's going by Holly Gennaro because she doesn't want Rickman to know that she has a connection to Bruce Willis so Rickman can get leverage over Bruce Willis she's going by her maiden name uh, but eventually Rickman does discover because William Atherton who plays uh, what's his character Richard Thornburg who's just another great like weenie character just an unscrupulous like douchey TV reporter um, goes to the the kids' house and and Rickman basically puts their faces on TV and Rickman discovers that uh, that Bonnie bedelia is is Holly McClain, not Holly Gennaro. the
0: re- The reporter character is weird because, like when he's introduced, I guess he's always a douchebag, but then he goes out and he's asking his boss and his, his boss seems like a douchebag. And mm-hmm. then they're talking to like the news anchor. who's about to go on TV and he seems like a douchebag. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> so it kind of makes it seem like, like the introduction of this character is him saying, yeah, I can get us a table. I know Wolfgang. Yeah. They <laughs> interviewed him for a piece. Wolfgang and, like, and I are really okay, good Okay, this fans. guy sucks. <laughs> but he's just surrounded <laughs> by people who also suck so part of me is like maybe he's a good guy <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, No, he sucks he also like threatens to call ins on the housekeeper holly well McClane's yeah that's the turning point for sure he just <laughs> threatens just like, the te- the woman and then he uses he abuses the kids for like a chance of like yeah. i don't know just great news
1: yeah i mean i'm sure he won an emmy for the,
0: his news for or his whatever, like is?
1: a Polk Award. Like after after this, I'm sure his coverage
0: won him an Emmy. I mean, it's great stuff. And they just replayed Miss McClain, like punching him in the face, like at yeah. the end of his, like in memoriam, whatever yeah.
1: it was. <laughs> I mean, that great actor had, had a ranker. great, like in the 80s, he had really the market cornered on like these types of characters because he's also the guy yeah. in Ghostbusters who's the shitty EPA
0: guy. Who he's um, trying to shut down the Ghost? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god, yeah, he does look, That's such a good description of somebody. He's like oh, that's the kind of guy who would, like shut down the Ghostbusters. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the definition like, of a shitty government bureau. Oh. Um, But he, he's really great in this movie, and you know he's just he's perfect in that specific type
0: of role. He blows it for McLean. This Harry Ellis dude also tries to blow it for McClane.
1: Oh my god, Ellis! I love the scene where Ellis goes in to talk to yeah. Hans Gruber, and he's yeah, he's pretending he's much better friends with Bruce Willis than he is, so he can somehow convince Bruce Willis to come down. I don't know what his plan is, but he's just such a smarmy, like coked out freak, and I. It's such a great scene, Hans Booby. Night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm your white knight I can give him to you and it's it's kind of great because you think I thought he's gonna go I have the wife Mm -hmm. but he doesn't actually do that his plan is to just talk to Bruce Willis and convince him to stop trying to save them. Yeah, insane. Like, what Like what the fuck is this guy thinking? And the whole time before this, he's just talking to, like, John McClane's wife, like, oh, he's going to get us all killed. And it's like, dude, shut up. <laughs> Literally, if you just sit there, nothing bad happens, and you guys all get out. But he's, like, doing
1: coke bumps behind her the he's whole time. There. And it's like, that's, like, the perfect, like, coke logic of you just get crazy, and you're just like, yeah, I'll be able to talk this guy out of, like, killing us all. I close million dollar deals, babe. <laughs> I think I can handle this Euro trash. His whole vibe is amazing.
0: He's such a great character uh, on the phone. He's so good. And then one of Hans's dudes shows up with a puts a glass on the table <laughs> and pops a can of Coke and like pours it in there. Is that like an old school thing where you're like, I could use like a Coke, like somebody serves you a Coca-Cola. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a like, it's a fine beverage. Mm. I feel like there was a period like in the 80s or whatever, where I was like, oh, and then a soda, like as if it's like somehow more important than it is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not the beverage of children.
1: Like, well, I feel like it's just like they're 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 giving him a little something, right? They're yeah. giving Ellis a little something for helping because they're all they're pampering him up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then he, he gets dies. shot in the face <laughs> immediately shot in the face Hans this is radio not television put away the gun what am I a method
0: actor <laughs> this is radio not television <laughs> god another well,
1: great line I really want to know what happened to that actor because he's so great in this and he's so
0: funny uh, uh I feel like this is a hard role to like get away from though yeah he does you love- know like he you gotta be, you're a swarmy guy. You can't just be like a, a good guy. Now you're just playing villains for the rest. Of
1: your yeah. Career. You're just being total scumbags forever, Ugh. but he's, he really crushes <clears throat> it.
0: Okay. He crushes it. McLean. There's all this stuff. I feel like I want to jump right to the showdown unless you had other, other points you wanted to hit. Oh yeah. I mean, we, 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 we covered most of it. Um, you know, he has a I, showdown with Carl <clears throat> He has a that's showdown awesome. with Carl, which is an awesome death. One yeah. of the action in this movie is so fun and 80s. I love it. It's just like the bullets are so loud and it's not like graphic. Yeah. It's just like boom. And then like then you just see things explode. There was one there's one I thought gruesome shot where a dude gets kneecapped like in the scene oh where they're yeah, like shooting brutal. out where
1: they're brutal. shooting out all the glass and it's like a close up on it.
0: really gross they're like the rest that we've been cutting away from like all these headshots we're gonna show these knees getting eviscerated which is somehow so much worse to me oh it's way
1: worse it's really yeah because it isn't not all that violent of a movie you know there's not there's there's like two scenes where there's a lot of blood one is where yeah he's pulling glass out of his feet after the shoot the glass scene. And then one is that knee capping, which is really,
0: really like really brutal. Oh, the volume of blood from the, the, the barefoot glass stuff is why it's so much, it's gruesome. He's just sliding in on it. Oh man. And then he's just like talking to Al on the mic. One of the things that I thought was so funny in this movie is like a couple times on the mic, Al will just be hanging out and then he goes then he just hears oh and it's like Bruce (laughs) Willis on the other end and Bruce is like like it's a walkie-talkie he's not listening the whole time like he pressed it down just so he could be like just a groan (laughs) he turned the walkie-talkie on just to be like oh these Twinkies are gross Twinkies are gross (laughs) like how's it going up there how's it going John and he's just like Oh man! Oh no! Do you want to talk about it, John? No, no, I'm fine. Oh my! So in
1: that moment, he's like, "What do they put in these Twinkies?" And then, like immediately, Carl Winslow just lists off every single ingredient in a Twinkie. He just has that at the top of his brain. He knows all of like hydrogenated corn oil and yellow dye number five, and he just has all the ingredients right there at the ready to go.
0: This is a guy who's eaten some Twinkies in his time. Yeah. He's ready, but maybe he knows. Maybe he knows because his wife's pregnant, you know, and Mm -hmm. they're like tracking what's in her body and she's just, I mean, I guess not because she's eating all these Twinkies that he picked up from the store. Yeah, they can't be that worried about what goes in there. (laughs) Can't be that worried about it. We get the, uh, we get the, then, uh, yeah, you're right. Then Carl dies in this awesome fight with, uh, or, or, um, Hans takes the wife hostage. Right. And he's trying to call John McClain, But John McClane can't actually talk because he's too busy beating the shit out of Carl. (laughs) And that chain death is like a very good villain, villain death. Because he he like
1: rips it around his his throat and then swings out and yeah and it's on some sort of track and Carl just slides all the way down and just smashes into a wall at the end too. It's really, it's good. It's strong. I mean, that's not actually his death, right? Cause he gets shot at the very, very end.
0: True. Oh yeah. I for, oh my God. That's wait, how did he get downstairs? They just like had him. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> no, but, know. but it seems like a good death. If mm. we're, I don't even know uh, how to rank like villain deaths, but like hanging or like the bad, like the good guy. Like somehow wrapping something around the bad guy's neck and pushing him off of something is just oh, a yeah. great death because it's like it's how you overpower like a bigger guy. And it's like, oh, I'm out thinking him. I got this yeah. chain. I like used my environment. I like wrapped it around his neck. And then I like used his strength against him. It's like I use a jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. move or something like that and take his momentum to knock him out. It's just like such a good clutch, like underdog hero, like like it's- kill.
1: It's great. And, uh, all of the action in this movie is so I wrote down like, this is a much more elegant action movie than where we get now, because right now, I feel yeah. like Michael Bay really changed the way action was filmed you know it's 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 mtv it's michael bay it's really really quick cuts it's constant moving camera you're never you know you don't see a shot on screen for more than a second and a half ever it's just constantly moving constantly cutting constantly like you know bay ham is what they call it it's just like my the michael bayification of movies has so much taken over that when you watch an older action movie like this and it's just slow tracking cameras, wider shots. It's much more about the choreography of the action. It's it's really refreshing uh, to watch this kind of action movie. It's I mean, great.
0: Yeah, it feels like the kind of like Jaws effect where like they're limited by the technology available, you know, like totally. Like there's all those stories about how Jaws is so great because you don't see the shark and the only reason you don't see the shark is because it was fucking up so much like the prop wasn't working so like they couldn't do it more you know, it's like, it's just like that, like the fact that like they had less technology then they had to be like a little smarter and they had to like like tell a story in a way that like you don't necessarily have to nowadays because they're cutting around so fast.
1: And the action, yeah, the action itself has to be exciting. You can't just cut, you can't just have 15 cuts in 10 seconds and like substitute that for an actual exciting
0: sequence. So the final showdown, how does that rank on like the action movie scale? Bruce Willis comes out, he's got a gun, he's only got two bullets left, two bad guys, has the gun taped to his shoulders uh, behind his back. Iconic. iconic i don't think it works in real life
1: (laughs) (laughs) i just don't know how you could tape onto like your skin like that and rip it off you know but it's supposed to be sort of a quick draw moment right because there's a lot of uh cowboy references and cowboy iconography right he's named after roy rogers is his fake name hans gruber keeps bringing up you know John Wayne, Grace Kelly, whatever. And like, obviously the most famous line from the movie is yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, Um, which gets repeated all throughout all of the diehards. Um, So I I feel like it's just somehow they wanted to have that sort of cowboy high noon shootout, like quick draw scene. And this was just the best way they could figure out how to do it within the, the, the world of this movie
0: it is it really is a quick draw it's like a saloon it's a classic like western two on one this guy Mm -hmm. and it's whoever has the fastest hand you know damsel in distress yeah like boom quick draw bam bam two shots you think it's over and then going back to again the theme for me which is like everything is way harder than it needs to be (laughs) alan rickman is like like He's he's done. He's dead, but he's not. He's like holding on to Ms. McClane and like pulling her out the window. The other thing that I, I mean we forgot to mention was like when he when he leaves the explosion. He, like, ties the hose around his neck. Oh, his, like, yeah. He jumps off the ledge. He comes, like, sliding in. The hose, like, the, the mount for the hose falls off. And the, the hose is going to... The, the thing that saved him seconds ago is now going to kill him. Yeah. It seems like the exact same... There's just this recurring theme of, like, oh, my God, the... Th- like nothing's over. It's all a struggle. Blah blah blah. He like like has to like wrestle the wristwatch off of his wife. Alan Rickman falls to his death surrounded by the snow of bail bonds or whatever the fuck <laughs> those are. <laughs> and uh and one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is like, I hope that's not a hostage. Yeah, I hope that's not a hostage. <laughs> As he falls to his death. <laughs> and just
1: smush really good sound effect of, of him hitting the pavement. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then Bruce Willis and Bonnie Bedelia get in the back of the the limo and Argyle drives them off. And to, I think, let it
0: snow is played over the end credits. Uh, a real missed opportunity not to have Al Rickman play let it S- singing, let it snow. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening at the end and I was like, oh, this is like close. It feels like it could have been an Al Rickman's like register.
1: I don't think I've ever heard Al Rickman sing,
0: but. <laughs> Legend snow. Good- <laughs> snow. I don't do a good Al no. Rickman. I have nothing. There's snow. No, Red- the fire outside is frightful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. He does have an all time great voice. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Potter. <laughs>
0: Okay, Matt. So that's pretty much the plot, right? Then he get, Oh, then he gets in the the cab, the the limo, or Kyle picks mm-hmm. him up after pretty much doing nothing for the whole movie. Takes him away. Credits. It's wonderful. Credits. It's beautiful. Yeah, wonderful
1: movie. Just a just yeah, god tier action movie. God tier. I mean, you- this is. It makes sense that this action is such a great action movie because just the pedigree of this movie is so good. You got so it was produced by Joel Silver, who this is Joel Silver. I mean, he's done so many great classics, but this was just him from 1985 to 1990: Commando, Jumping Jack Flash, Lethal Weapon, Predator, Action Jackson, Die Hard, Roadhouse, Lethal Weapon Two, Die Hard Two. That, Wait, he the, wrote those, I mean, or he direct? He directed this those. Is, this is the producer, Joel Silver. The producer. Damn. All those. I mean, that's like Commando, Predator, Die Hard, Roadhouse, Lethal Weapon. I mean, and sequels. It's just he's crazy run of classic action movies. And then John McTiernan, the guy who directed it, also directed Predator, Hunt for Red October, Die Hard with a Vengeance. I mean, he has done so many great action movies. And then you get Bruce Willis all-time great action hero and it's just it's just every role is the best of of
0: the genre it's it's so good i didn't realize there was such a pedigree from the production yeah. standpoint that these guys and you really knew what the fuck they were doing i mean you just railed yeah. off like iconic action movies that's a murderer's row of like the yeah. best action movies it's, of all time it's crazy how good oh. like that run that like,
1: that's my favorite era too. Oh, I didn't even say also the cinematographer on this movie is Jan de Bont who directed speed, which is another action yeah. classic. love speed. So, and he did twister, I think too. So he, the cinematographer on this movie, you know, in his own right is a great action director. So it's just, it was really just the best of the best in every, every capacity.
0: Which kind of makes it a little weirder too, that like even Bruce Willis was the one picked for this. Like he was not. that that many people passed on it with like this crew (laughs) and like this script too. It just seems like such a good role. It's just one of those things that it. so, you know, it just shows
1: how much luck is involved with, a good movie because so many people need to make a movie. It's not like a painting where it can just be one great artist. You have to have, you know, 50, 75 people involved in the making of a movie. And it's just so lucky that they got everyone who they did and just every, everything fell into, fell into place for this movie.
0: Nice. I have, uh, some ideas for like segments. Unless you Had any other, uh, last minute bits we can get right into those. No, let's do it. Okay. First off, best line in the movie. This is a real, uh, either easy one or hard one. <laughs> you look at it.
1: I mean, uh, there's just so many great, great lines in this movie. I mean, obviously yippee ki motherfucker is the most famous and sort of became the catchphrase yes. of the series, but there's just so many other great lines in this movie.
0: I loved, I think that the Sergeant, uh, who is like a real dick to Al until the FBI takes his job and then he's just <laughs> like standing with Al like he he goes through like a face turn halfway through this movie where all of a sudden he's my favorite character <laughs> like, he's really funny he has like two of the best lines in the movie which is like god i hope that's not a hostage when sniper <laughs> dies and then when the FBI helicopter explodes violently, so we're gonna need some more FBI guys, I guess. Like so nice. So, the delivery is so flat, and he like underplays it so
1: perfectly. It's great. I have a whole oh, list of next lines level. that I love. Go for yeah. it, Matt. Go to uh, town. I mean, all right. So Hans Gruber walks into Takagi's office, and he sees all these weird little models. And he just says, "Alex, as Alexander saw the breadth of his domain, he wept for there were no more worlds to conquer." <laughs> Which <laughs> that line runs through my mind every time I reach the bottom of a pint
0: of ice cream. <laughs> 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 he wept, there are no there are more no worlds, no worlds to, conquer. to conquer. There was one of those things too. Like one of the models was like a park between two highways. <laughs> yeah. And I was looking at it. I like paused it to look at it. There's like no sidewalk or anything. I was like, how do people get to the grass? (laughs) See, there's no parking lot. There's just this beautiful park that is inaccessible unless you like come to a complete stop on one of these two highways in Indonesia. They're doing some weird stuff.
1: Yeah. And then right after he says that line or shortly after he says, Alan Rickman's like, I could talk about industrialization and men's fashion all day, but we do have to get down to business, which I love because he had mentioned his, his suit earlier, which I mean, that's not the best movie in the, in the best line in the movie, but I do want to shout that out. Obviously. It's a great
0: line. It's it's like contributes to Hans Gruber being mm-hmm. such a good character. He's like so hoity-toity and intense and smart. Yeah. And he just has interests. Something about a villain who like has like classy interests, like mm-hmm. it's fashion really and good. what suits to wear. Just yeah, adds just a layer like, to him. That's awesome. Apparently
1: a- Arafat wears one or something. He like knows what <laughs> Arafat does was wearing. I mean, you can you break the code? You didn't bring me along for my charming personality? That's a great line. Now I have a machine gun ho ho ho. Oh, I also love right after Alan Rickman. Kills Mr. Takagi, and then he's back down with all the other hostages, and he just has this really great delivery. Was just oh. like, "Alas, your Mr. Takagi did not see it that way, so he won't be joining us for the rest of his life."
0: <laughs> that was so, I definitely had that note that he says he explains to them that Mr. Takagi's dead in the funniest way <laughs> It's line. so good.
1: It's just a lot of these lines are just like the delivery is so perfect. It's like that line could have been a nothing line, but Rickman just. Really makes it sing, it's really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, another one come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. That's great. <laughs> Next time you have the chance to kill someone, don't hesitate. Yeah, good advice. That's iconic. A great line. I mean, I'm the fly in the ointment, the monkey in the wrench, the pain in the ass. That's a great, <laughs> like, jersey guy line. Uh, paint job and a shitload of screen doors. That's a great line. I negotiate million dollar deals for breakfast. I think I can handle this Euro trash. Hey, sprickensy talk. <laughs> <laughs> I love sprickensy talk. I mean, Hans Booby, I'm your white knight, amazing line. Where he's, where they're talking about the Asian Dawn, because he's he's trying to fake out the FBI, right? Because they're actually there to rob the place, but he's pretending yes, that he yeah. wants to them to free all these weird revolutionary leaders. And he's just Alexander Gudov's like, Asian Dawn? And he's just like, I read about him in time magazine. Like, that's great. It's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of miracles. That's a great line. You ask for (laughs) miracles. I give you the FBI, Johnson and Johnson, no relation, just like fucking Saigon. And the last one was, we're going to need some more FBI guys. I guess
0: those are like, that's my list of my favorite lines. Those are epic lines. I love, I don't know what the line was exactly, but I like it when the news anchor uh, fucks up where the city's from. Oh, yeah. Helsinki, Sweden. I was like, he's like, Uh, Sweden, right? Like, actually, Finland. It's like, okay, all these guys suck. They really make the news guys seem like they suck. Um. Yeah.
1: Harvey, the news anchor, is very funny, too. (laughs) Another, actually, here's a weird fact that I know Gail Wallins is the female news anchor. That actress also plays Gail Wallens in the movie Ricochet. Did you ever see Ricochet with Denzel? Oh,
0: the cop. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. No, I haven't seen it. Denzel I got it.
1: And, um, and John Lithgow. Anyway, it's just one of those like actress playing the same character in two different movies is Gail Wallens shows up in that movie too. Just tying tying the Ricochet universe and the Die Hard universe together. In a beautiful way. <laughs> the Die Hard cinematic universe.
0: Um I don't think we need to pick a favorite, but uh, we've gone through every line. Yeah.
1: Those are, there are,
0: there's too many good ones to pick up. Just one. This movie is full of good, great, great lines, which I think is just a requirement for this like kind of Mm -hmm. 80s action movie. You just needed great lines. It's just one liners and (laughs) shooting people. (laughs) That's all we need. Job review. This is my new segment job review. Are these people good at their jobs? Okay. Okay. Uh, I think
1: you gotta say that Bruce like John McClane is a great cop he's gets put in insane situations repeatedly over the course of five movies and he's constantly coming out on top I feel like he's got you gotta say he's good at his job
0: do you think he's a what kind of a cop do you think he is in New York before this movie stars
1: a racist one <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think he's okay. like a—he's a detective, right? So he's not like a a, a uniform. He's—he's
0: got to be a detective, right? Because he's plain clothes, like carrying a gun. Yeah, he's like a, so a plain
1: clothes pretty- detective, and he says something about I got a backlog of scumbags, you know, that I'm trying to put away. So he's clearly working cases, and not—he's not just a, you know, what do they call him? Just like a, he's not just like a blue shirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. blue shirt. Yeah, he's not walking a beat or anything.
0: But he's like chasing people down on foot and like kicking in doors and stuff. You think yeah. he's like kicking ass in New York?
1: Yeah. He's like, he's, he's a street detective. Like he's out on the street, busting heads.
0: Yeah. It makes me think that he's gotta be a like a, he's not like special forces, but he definitely is better at surviving than like anyone else in this situation would be, you know, I can't oh. even imagine like a beat cop doing what he's doing in the house like he would fuck up and like ruin stuff and he's showing restraint and being super calculated i bet he's really good at his job i think so i would agree okay another cop winslow do you think do you think al Al, the only cop who's ever driven around without a partner
1: (laughs) i think he's i think it's safe to say he's pretty bad at his job because most of what he provides John McClane is like moral support and the parts I I think of this movie as almost perfect, but I will concede that it has one super glaring flaw in that the C plot or Al Powell's character arc is that he shot a kid and then became a desk jockey cop for a while. Uh, And his, his growth is learning how to pull his gun and shoot and kill again.
0: (laughs) It's a cop learning to kill again. Yeah, that's I mean, that's just
1: like holy shit. That is not aged well. That's like that
0: is a pretty glaring flaw. In the oh movie. my god! I will. I shot too. a kid. It was dark. He had a ray gun. It looked real yeah. to me. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! This, hits, yeah, it's this like, hits too close to home here. This is terrible. that's yeah. That's 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 a tough pill
1: to swallow. But oh. uh, so I think I think if you shoot an unarmed kid you are bad at your job. No matter what your job is, if you shoot an unarmed kid,
0: you're bad at it. (laughs) (laughs) Unless your job is shooting unarmed kids. Also, when he shoots the bad guy, this is not the headshot That John McClain has been like making earlier. Oh Yeah. This This is is, he he shoots this guy like five times. (laughs) It's not even a magazine because it's a revolver. It's like old school. He puts all six shots into the left shoulder of this guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like boom, boom, boom. And then the one that like puts him down is like up here. (laughs) I'm just like, what? Why is it? (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah i would say say
0: (laughs) al powell is not a good cop (laughs) uh the only okay the counter argument is when the sergeant is making all of these moves al's talking to this guy he he one he susses out the that bruce Wells is a cop which i think bruce Wells is dropping hints that he's a cop and then as this is going he's saying oh well they're just running the hostage negotiation playbook like step by mm-hmm. step, like he's like calling. He right. somehow seeing the lights. <laughs> they're yeah, they're shooting at the lights. He's yeah. he's like the smartest cop on the ground, right? So he so either he is like a good cop who got held back by this one huge fuck up that probably should end his <laughs> career, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know why we're even talking about. He, he should not be a cop anymore. So, it's pretty much what yeah, what it is. You shoot an innocent kid, you should be you should yeah, be gone, but. Uh, yeah, so I guess that, (laughs) but it's it's still, it still seems like he is the brains on the ground. He's the smartest guy on the ground. He's the genius surrounded by all these idiots. These guys are not smart dudes. It seems like that he's working with.
1: Yeah. I think it's safe to say that most of the other cops in the movie are bad. Like clearly deputy chief Dwayne T Robinson is bad. The FBI guys are bad. The FBI guys seem they like they might be psychos.
0: <laughs> they seem they're definitely bad at their jobs. They seem insane. They seem like like huge psychopaths, mm-hmm. just no moral compass whatsoever. Yeah. At one point, they're like, "Well, twenty five percent of the, the hostages could die," and someone's like, "I'm okay with those numbers." Yeah, I'm, it's I'm like, fine wait, with that. As they're flying this helicopter filled with guns, <laughs> just shooting indiscriminately at people on the roof. <laughs> It's, yeah they're like there's Bruce Wells. he's like in the middle of a crowd of hostages yeah. and start opening fire on him insane these guys suck the SWAT I guess it's not really SWAT but then they send cops they're like mm-hmm. sending, sending the cops to the doors and mm-hmm. these cops I think are terrible at their job one of them gets like pricked on a bush <laughs> did you see that Yeah, he's like yeah, coming he through, through, the through the bushes and he gets out <laughs> i'm like what the fuck is this you just showed this guy who's gonna like fight to the death and he just said ow from a bush like what is happening right now he grazed a thorn bush and then their plan isn't to kick in the door one of these guys pulls out like a lock picking set i know and the door is made of glass
1: (laughs) the door is made of glass and he's just standing there trying to pick the lock
0: there's also clearly a chain around the door handles. So it's like, cool, you pick the lock. Yeah. It's still like chain shot. Like, what the fucking point? <laughs> so now we're just exposed. Now he's just standing there in front of these clear glass windows, like, trying to pick this lock like, da-da-da-da-da, and then he gets lit the fuck up. It's like, these guys are not, these guys are all incompetent. The woman who answers the phone when McLean calls and is like, ugh, oh, geez, I don't even terrible. know what this is. All the cops seem like they're really bad at their jobs. Yeah. Okay. What about the news team? Are any of these news guys like like good at their jobs? It doesn't. Seem I mean, like I it. think
1: they seem. You know, Richard Thornburg. He's a scumbag, but he's he gets the story. You know, and I think that's what journalism is. You you gotta you get the story.
0: Wow. So you think so, he is good at his job? He just exposed yeah. the negative underbelly of of mm-hmm. like crooked news media. Yeah, the fake lion news media.
1: I think oh, he, how uh, dare they. <laughs> but I think he, he, like I said, I think he walks away with an Emmy for his coverage of the Nakatomi Plaza hostage situation or like a
0: Peabody or something. Okay, so he's great at his job. Yeah, he's good. He's, he's Okay. Al, what was that? <laughs> what? Oh, I thought you, there was like a whatever. I thought you were in trouble for a second. Uh, I just
1: heard something. But
0: is uh, next up is Al Rickman. Is Hans Gruber good at his job? Now this is a tough one
1: because my first instinct is to say, yes, his plan is almost flawless except for just one unforeseeable element of this New York cop. Why would he be there? And it's like, can we really blame Alan Rickman for not having a contingency plan for Bruce Willis or something like that happening? But then at the same time, it's like, I don't know, you should, you one guy does kill an awful lot of your dudes
0: (laughs) so i don't know he does how is one guy doing so much damage to you guys Mm -hmm. like but at the same time they walk in it's like such a smooth operation everybody goes exactly where they need to go they know exactly where the wires are they pull them all out it's all very fluid and like fast and was clearly like the first The first phase of the plan executed without a hitch and everybody knows what their job is and they're crushing it. Everybody Mm -hmm. is crushing it the whole time. It seems like if if Bruce Willis isn't there, they pull off the heist and get away with everything. And it's not a problem at all.
1: I I agree. I think if Bruce Willis wasn't there, he wins, but do you have to blame him for not taking, you know, having some sort of contingency contingency plan for this? Yeah. What if,
0: a superhero <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> yeah i don't know okay, I, right. I, I agree i agree i think he's good though i, I think agree. he's good at his job he exudes confidence he seems into it okay mm-hmm. uh next segment after the movie we kind of touched on it already after mm-hmm. the movie john McClane and the missus they do not last no they do not he goes he's
1: six months from The end of the movie John McClane is back in New York and they are in a similar situation to what they were before estranged separated yeah headed towards divorce
0: I I agree uh excluding Die Hard 2 I think that is exactly where they're heading uh what about Al I guess he's like the only other interesting person for this is like well he learns how to to kill kill again Yeah, they get him. They're like, well, the way you, you murdered that street? guy, we need you out on the streets. You're going to detective. Yeah. You, they're yeah. killing people
1: now. I feel like he's, you know, he's, he's out on the street, knocking heads
0: and killing unarmed civilians. <laughs> Do you think he gets a promotion or does he just go back to his?
1: No, he doesn't get a promotion because I, I still think Dwayne T. Robinson, the LAPD deputy chief hates him and takes the credit. If anything and takes the credit. Yeah. So yeah. he's 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 because he, he's playing politics the whole time, you know, when the FBI guys show up, he's he's kissing their butts and
0: do John McClane and Al uh, hang out at all. After this, do their kids hang out? Do they stay in touch? Do they have any relationship after this movie? I mean, I know that they do from Die Hard 2. Well, let's exclude You're Die Hard 2.
1: excluding Die Hard 2? Yeah. I haven't I seen Die Hard thing- 2. I think that they hang out, they get, they get dinner. I think they do like a double date dinner date in LA before John McClane goes back to New York. Yeah. Uh, And I think they start out being pretty tight, but eventually they slowly lose (laughs)
0: Lose contact. I like the idea of the dinner date. And then just like halfway through the meal, like the McLean's just start arguing and like you can yeah. see their marriage unraveling. Oh, I like feel the like. Dinner yeah. Date. And Reginald Bell Johnson and his wife are just like, oh, Jesus. I feel like there's a good chance they don't ever hang out again. Yeah. Maybe not. I think, I feel like there's a good chance they have like no other contact. They just like go about their separate lives. They're all trying to move on. Bruce mm. is trying to re- reconcile his family. And then after a while, it's like, ah. You're trying to move past this thing. I feel like there's a good chance they don't ever, don't ever hang out. I could see that happening. <laughs> uh, reboot potential. If this movie, we kind of touched on this too. Like, if we're making this movie nowadays, what is different? What changes? What stays?
1: Well, they sort of did. Like, Skyscraper starring The Rock is basically <laughs> a diehard ripoff. Um, so the main thing that would be different is it would hundred percent be starring the rock. So the John McClain, <laughs> the John McClane, who's like a semi regular guy turns back into sort of the just hulking mass of man flesh, like just a huge, huge dude. I mean, yeah. if you were going to try to recreate the John McClane is an everyman kind of thing, like, I don't even know who you would cast. Cause even, Everyone's so jacked now. You know, even like Chris Pratt, who's like a goofy everyman leading mat leading actor, is like
0: pretty fucking jacked. I mean Bruce Willis is ripped in this. He's definitely yeah, jacked. He's not but, big, but he is like, like older, in great shape. You know maybe yeah. chris
1: evans could could be but he doesn't have the he doesn't have like the sarcasm yeah because that's another that's the thing that's intrinsic to john McClain is he's funny and sarcastic and it has a little bit of that like fuck you attitude so it's just i can't it's hard to think of someone who could replace what bruce Willis brings to
0: it does this happen from like a star standpoint either of like bruce willis being like just a tv guy like this, this made him a superstar. I know Marvel kind of does it where like Chris Evans, it wasn't unknown, but he was like not a household name mm-hmm. uh, in the same way when he becomes Captain America, Chris Hemsworth, the same thing. It seems like Marvel is just this machine that mm-hmm. like plugs in a no name and lets it rip. But it seems like if you're doing a big action movie like this, they would rather go with a rock or even as like an everyman, quote unquote, like more of a Keanu Reeves and just go like John Wick. But they, mm-hmm. it seems like this movie doesn't get made nowadays without like a star.
1: I feel like this movie might not get made nowadays, period. Because, yeah. I mean, you mentioned John Wick and that's maybe the only action franchise I can think of that's not a Marvel. I mean, I guess the Fast and the Furious but that is so over the top. It almost feels like a super That's a
0: different thing too. Wow. That's like a genre. That's like a whole like family thing. It's just, it's a yeah. way different vibe. It's not like one lone gunslinger too. Yeah. Like on their way. Yeah. It's an ensemble thing. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, There's so no like good gunslinger, like guy on his own, like back to the wall, fighting his way out of stuff. The rock is the one getting all those roles. Like that's the like rock, every rock yes, movie too. now.
1: Yeah. The rock. And then John wick, like you said, that's maybe the only like modern day action yeah. franchise. I mean Liam Neeson, I guess, is making some movies like this. But those I are mean, that's also true, like Taken thought. and all
0: that stuff. It's very yeah. similar.
1: Yeah, it, he's older. And,
0: yeah, he is an older guy. It's got a slightly different vibe. Yeah, I don't know. I think the action is definitely different. I mean, you touched on it, how like the shots are different. Like today, if that movie's made, we're seeing Mister Takaki's like head explode. <laughs> 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 big time we are and seeing of, glass see going from like into Bruce. five different angles <laughs> we've replayed know? it like five yeah. times we're seeing glass entering Bruce Willis's yeah. foot you know oh, I just feel like sure. that's the compromise <laughs> um, I mean it's, that's why my favorite
1: time you know 1985 to 2000 is probably my favorite time in action movies yeah. you know you get they just don't make them it's cliche to say but they really just don't make them like they used to I agree. The nineties era of action is, is the, that was the golden era.
0: Let's, let's wrap it up on this. We've only talked for almost as long as the movie. <laughs> uh, what is it that makes this movie so great? It doesn't need to be a single thing, but like what about this movie kicks it up to the next level, makes it a great movie.
1: I mean, we've talked about a lot of it already. Uh, yeah. You know, the script is great. The jokes are great. I would say that the two most indispensable parts of the movie are Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman. I think the two leads are cast so well uh, that that's what that's what takes this from, you know, a B plus to an A triple plus movie. Cause John yeah. McClane is a great character, but Bruce Willis is the one who like really brings a lot of energy and, and like the, the sort of, you know, that Jersey attitude that I love. And same thing with Hans Gruber, it's Rickman brings so much to that role. And we talked about some of his lines that on paper, you write them down. It's like, that's not necessarily the most interesting line, but the delivery And the gravitas that Alan Rickman brings to it. I mean, it's the reason why these guys, like you said, were more unknowns before this movie. And then they both became, you know, Bruce Willis, an A-list star and Alan Rickman, like a very famous working actor for 30 years. Um, Because, and I think that's, that's those, those two guys in those roles are, are what makes this
0: just an indispensable action masterpiece. I agree. I think, As far as an action movie, this hits all the notes that I want from this genre of action movie, which is just like goofy over the top. There's a lot of like inconsistencies and stuff in here. I think and some things that don't make sense, like C4 or whatever. And it's like, I don't care. I just want to be entertained. And this movie is pure entertainment the whole time everything is for entertainment value from the jokes there are characters that really only exist like just to be funny and just to make things i mean it's like thought out enough and like they just went out of their way to make the most entertaining thing ever uh and it shows and it's obvious i it's a pure
1: popcorn yeah confection like that's what you want from like a a blockbuster film, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's like a family movie by any means, but it seems like (laughs) it has like elements of like, it's a crowd pleaser, you know, it's, it's just, it'll, you walk away and there's not too much not to like, besides that weird Al Powell character arc. Uh,
0: it's just, yeah, it's just a great popcorn entertainment. So good. And I agree. Rickman is like next level. I think, I mean, looking back, you're like Stallone, Schwarzenegger. These are like the icons of the time, but like how many movies do you remember of theirs where like, you remembered the villain in the same way, you know, it's like Schwarzenegger's face on the poster. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know who this bad guy is, but like a great bad guy just kicks it all up to the next level, Mm -hmm. like a Con Air. Right. (laughs) or (laughs) Or a
1: Die Hard. I mean, you know, Uh, that's why like people love the dark Knight so much, right? It's for the Joker. It's the bad, you get a good villain. You get a villain so much of the time you're, you spend so much of the time with your hero that you, you sort of forget or the villain is an afterthought. But if you can have a villain that is equal to your hero, that's, that's when
0: you got something special. And that's a great note to end on. Thank you, Matt Strickland. <laughs> Thanks so much. This for was having our me. review of Die Hard. This was great. I'll see you next year for Die Hard Two. Yes, uh, next it. Thanksgiving, let's do this every Thanksgiving. Every Thanksgiving. Just Thanksgiving review Christmas another ever. Die Hard movie. Uh, check out Strickland's pod, uh, Pod Cusack. Uh, if you're listening to this on Thanksgiving, then tomorrow you're going to be able to listen to Con Air, which I'm on. Uh, Matt, anything else? Is that right? Did I point in the right direction?
1: Yes. Yes. Please uh, take a listen and just thank you so much for having having me
0: and a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Anytime, bud. This was great. Very fun. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, email the show. Call the show. Let me know. And the king stays king. Bye.